but it, it will it will keep healing it will keep trying to heal or I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and say I used to say these things I still do I'm an example of what's possible ultimately you know if we're if we are faced with disease in our body what we need to cultivate is peace And my guest today is Jane Hogan. And Jane is the wellness engineer. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so happy to be a guest here today. So I am, as you said, the wellness engineer. And for 30 years, I actually worked as an engineer. I was a design engineer. And then I suddenly developed crippling rheumatoid arthritis. And it had me reevaluate my entire life. <laughs> I decided to, uh, eventually to leave my engineering career. I trained as a functional medicine certified health coach. Now I'm a yoga teacher and wellness educator. And so I blend, I would say, leading edge science. So things like um, psychoneuroimmunology, neuroscience, quantum physics. Sounds complicated, but it's actually very simple. I blend that with the ancient spiritual practices that have been around for thousands of years that work. And I help people become pain-free naturally. <laughs> I I had a little bit of a, when I was at a rock bottom moment with this RA and I didn't know it was RA then. I just was in a lot of pain and I felt like my life was, you know, really going down the tubes and it was, they didn't even know what was wrong, but I could barely walk and I couldn't, you know, make a fist with my hands or anything like that. I had like an epiphany, a download, a voice spoke to me that said, you're going to figure this out and you are going to teach other people. So I, I was still in a lot of pain then, but I had this deep belief. I knew I was going to figure it out because I'd been told I would figure it out. And uh, and then the other part of that is to teach people. So like I said, it's my mission now. I, uh, I feel called to just speak about this and give people hope and let them understand that they can create an environment in which their body can heal. Absolutely, because we're born healers, aren't we, Jane? It's it's innate, it's within us. Yes, our bodies are brilliant. They never stop healing from the time we're born until the time we leave. They're always, always, always trying to heal. Yeah, so I, I started off uh, before I even knew what it was, but it was looking a bit like an autoimmune type of thing, but I didn't have a diagnosis. I had a, my family doctor is a little unusual in that she suggested that uh, sometimes foods could be related to joint pain, which at that time, this was 2016, I had never heard such a thing and it seemed ridiculous to me, but I was in I was in agony and so I thought okay I'll you know I'm going to try it and I'm a you know my background is engineering I'm a problem solver right we you experiment so I just started experimenting and so she had told me that gluten dairy and sugar were very inflammatory for the joints and so I'm like okay I'm just going to stop eating them and see what happens and I was I was amazed so I was really in a ton of pain 
And then within five days, I had a big reduction in pain. Like I still had pain, I still had inflammation, but there was something that I could do. And this was so empowering that now I was not a victim, right? I was the person that was in control. And so that started my journey of experimentation. So that I started with food. Um, and I realized I also started with um, this, well, I had this belief, but I also created like a vision around that belief. So I would envision what would I do if I didn't have this pain? And because I, I sort of been into personal development and, you know, all of that and spirituality for years, even though it's like a left brain engineer type, I also had this other side to me. So I knew the power of visualization. So I started visualizing what would I do if I wasn't in pain? I'd imagine like climbing a mountain. I imagine being on a sailboat and pulling up the sails. I imagine playing with a grandchild, like up over my head, throwing them. I don't have any grandchildren, but I was just imagining how fun this would be. And so I would think about, I would, I would like really get a really good vision in my head and picture it and feel it and just, Oh, so feels so good. And I kept coming back to that all the time. And I didn't realize at the time that this is like quantum physics, right? We are creating our, re we create our reality. Uh, we create everything that's in the physical world is created first in the mind, right? So I was applying quantum physics and didn't even know it. It's amazing, isn't it? What we've, what we've learned over the past few years, especially around quantum physics, um, and from what I understand, visualization, along with the emotion that you would yes. feel as if you were in that situation in the future and then bringing that into the now moment is exactly. so powerful. Yes, it's not It's not just like, you know, run the movie in your head, have a look at it. You got to feel it because it's really... The, the quantum side comes from the vibration, right? Because we are energetic vibrational beings. And so if we're creating a vibration of, um, of, of healing, excitement and joy, well, I, I mean, you don't even have to think about the healing. It's just, what is it I want? What's the feeling I want to create? If you can keep doing that, then your cells are bathed in that vibration. They're going to be reproducing in that vibration. And it has no choice but but manifest really because that's as long as you can ho keep holding it and that's the problem when people are in pain and i understand and i have compassion because you know i was there when you're in pain it's hard to not think about the pain but quantum physics tells us if we keep thinking those same patterns we'll keep getting the same thing joe dispenza says you have to think greater than how you feel then you create a new feeling right so you can't just focus on the pain even though I understand. And it's hard. It's, uh, it's terrible being in pain and people in pain might be thinking, uh, I, I don't know how to not think of pain. And you just got to like create little nuggets. So I used to kind of think of it like pearls. Okay. I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to think that little vision for a little bit, or I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and say, I used to say these things. I still do. I'm an example of what's possible. 
every day and in every way I'm healing. I, I mean, I had a whole string of affirmations like this and I'd look in the mirror and I'd smile, I'd feel it, I'd say it. And in those moments, I would not feel pain. So I would think about each of those moments as being like a little pearl. And then if I could string them all together, if I could make a whole bunch of pearls in a day, eventually I'd have a complete pearl necklace and not have any pain. Um, and actually, now I know that that is actually neuroscience. So I bring neuroscience in, right? Where you're, you're just t giving your brain something else to think about, creating a new pathway. We know that our brains aren't static. We can create new neural networks all the time. So that's what we do, create those new neural networks, stop wiring the ones for pain because all pain is really created in our brain. I mean, it's not to say the pain is in your head. It's just that that's the center of our, you know, our control system here. So the pain starts in the head. So if we can like change the inputs that are going in there, we can change the output. And uh, that's like, you know, very engineering way of looking at it, but it's kind of like that. The subconscious mind is running the body. It just like works on inputs, outputs, inputs, outputs. Um, kind of simple. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the other part of that as well is, is when we smile, we release endorphins. So yes. the act of just smiling, but actually we don't even need to just smile, do we? We can grimace. Or we can put our pen or a pencil between our teeth as long as we stretch our mouths. Yes, I know. Endorphins, which helps to reduce the pain. It's our own natural pain relief that we yes. can tap into at any time. Yeah, there's been studies done on that where people like just put the pencil in their mouth so they're not even making, not even doing a fake smile. So they knew that the fake smile worked, but then they thought, is it the that we're doing a fake smile or is it just the muscles? And they found that when you put a pencil in your mouth, so it kind of forces you to make that smile, smile shape, uh, that worked as well. <laughs> so interesting. We're we're such beautiful creatures. We really are. We are. We are. And and as you as you said before as well, that um, it all starts in the brain outside of trauma obviously it's a manifestation of, of what's going on in our subconscious mind it might be coming from the mind but the pain is so real in the body right absolutely but it is controlled by the brain and so we can kind of assist the brain a little bit I mean the other side of it though is the subconscious programming which I <laughs> I, I went through uh, a lot I learned a lot on my journey I would I would get you know I started with the food and I a little bit better and I plateau and then I tie in other things like you know okay sleep oh okay I gotta prioritize sleep all right I'm gonna do that and meditation and um and movement like getting as you know I had to just do chair dancing in the beginning because I couldn't I could hardly walk um so I did all these things and I would get a bit better and I plateau and then I then you know be something else get a little bit better and I plateau and I was like there's something I'm missing and you know, part of it was the brain work, which really helped. <clears throat> part of it was really understanding that I had programming from when I was very little that had me kind of in a stress state constantly inside. I didn't have major trauma. I had minor trauma. I had a, I had a, a sibling that teased me. It sounds like, like wimpy little you, but in my little, in my little girl head, that was traumatic. I didn't feel safe. And so I created programs in my head, um, to protect me, perfectionism, P 
people pleasing, busy, 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 you know, all of these things. I mean, I, I did engineering because my father is an engineer and that's what he wanted me to do. So I mean, really, I had a whole lifetime where I was following this program. So I had to do some work on reprogramming that subconscious mind. Um, and so that, that was really where the work was. And had I realized it, I mean, when you're in inflammation, when you've got major inflammation in your body, like you got to get that fire out. So yes, the foods and all those things really help. But if you want lasting and complete, um, restoration of your vitality, then you can, you, you have to work on the body, the mind, and the spirit. We're not separate, right? All of it together. And that includes those sub, the subconscious programming and just really understanding the magnificence of, of who you really are and how powerful you are. We haven't really been taught that. We've, we've been taught, especially when you get an illness, like all your power goes to someone else to tell you what to do or take this or take that. And, and you're powerless. What I teach people is to become the one that's empowered because really who else can create that healing state in your body, but you it's, it's you that has to do it. Those vibrations that I was talking about, no one else can do it. Someone can help, right? You can go see someone, but for it to last, you have to do the work. Subconscious programming. And it's, it starts when we're so young because we just absorb everything that we see and hear um, and take it on board without judgment. And it just sits in our subconscious mind. And then we tend to run our lives on autopilot from those traumas and from everything we've seen and heard in our younger years. And like you say, it doesn't have to be a massive trauma. And we hold on to that, don't we? So, oh, yes. So true. I I interviewed uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's the author of The Biology of Belief for my summit. Really interesting conversation uh, with him. And actually, it's on my podcast now. But um, he says that we uh, most of our subconscious beliefs are formed before the age of seven. And uh, lots of lots of people have said that it's not just him. And that we're operating 95% of our behaviors are coming from that subconscious programming. The opinions and beliefs of others are not even our own. They're not even our own. But yet, we just we had to accept it because we were just little, right? Our, our, you know, our, our survival depended on being accepted in this tribe. And so we, we created behavioral adaptations as a, as a way to, um, to cope and be safe. And then we've hung on to these behavioral adaptations our entire life. You know, like I mentioned, perfectionism, people pleasing for me. Right. Um, and that's just some of them. I, I see that a lot though, in people with pain, a lot of people pleasing perfectionism, overgiving, right? Always giving for other people and not really giving for themselves because we think, well, that's what I got to do to be safe because that's the behavioral adaptation they created when you were like before the age of seven. Yeah. So we can, we can reprogram the subconscious mind though, which is, which is wonderful. Um, it's doable. It, it takes work, but it also, um, I've done a lot of work with, and I teach now the energy codes by Dr. Sue Mortar. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's about not getting into that story all the time. In the beginning I did that. Like I, I was like, what, 
why did this happen? And I had to go back and review everything. And, and maybe some of that was okay because I had to forgive, right? I did, cause I was carrying I, some resentment there. And that re- that feeling of resentment is one that also contributes to pain. I mean, really any negative feelings can, or, or, or dis-ease in the body. Um, <clears throat> But uh, the going over the story over and over again and trying to figure it out with the brain is not always helpful, especially if it's very emotional. It can re-trigger and just, you know, I talked about the neural networks in the brain earlier. It just can keep re- keeping those strong, right? So that's not what we necessarily want. So uh, what I've learned is about is understanding where we're feeling stuff in the body. So in other words, I I had no idea that I was pretty much going around my whole life clenched in my belly and no idea I was clenching there because that was just normal for me. Or I I remember doing Tai Chi years ago and the instructor always saying, Jane, relax your shoulders. And I'm like, I'd be like this, they are relaxed because that was my normal, right? Because I just held all this tension here. And I mean, even when you think about our language, the weight of the world on your shoulders, right? Pain in the neck, you know, all that kind of stuff. We, we hang we hang on to it. So really to notice in your body, where are you tight? Where are you, where do you have the pain? Where do you notice, uh, you know, a lump in the throat or constriction, like tightness across your te- chest or sadness somewhere you know where are you noticing these things and then so that is really emotions that haven't been released and so we want to give that area wherever you're feeling it wherever your body's calling you give that area like loving attention like hugging from the inside like as if it was a pet that you loved or a small child that needs help calling your attention. I mean, that's really what it is. It's calling your attention. So to do that, like, and imagine, you know, you could imagine breathing through it, but in a very like loving way, kind of, I've got you, I've got you now. I'm not going to forget you. I know you're there. I'm here for you. That kind of feeling. And to keep doing that until it kind of releases. Um, So I find that a super powerful tool. From what I see with the clients I have, they've got the people-pleasing behavior. They've got the perfectionism. They haven't acknowledged it. And sometimes they don't even know that they've adapted um, their survival skills to produce that behavior. And once you highlight that, they can then see where that's come from, either in that session or the next session, and, and then start working through that and understand why they've changed their behavior. Mm -hmm. So beautiful, Sarah, because that is the beauty in working with someone because you can't, there's an expression by, I think it's Mary Morrissey. She says, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. You just can't. So that's why you need like someone that can be, that you can trust, but who's neutral. It doesn't, you know, sometimes it can work with someone that's close to you, but it's often really helpful when it's someone neutral um, to be able to reflect back to you, here's what I'm seeing. And then it's like, oh, right, I can see it now. I mean, people don't know. I didn't really realize that I was. I mean, I knew I, I knew I liked to do things well. <laughs> it took a lot of pride in it, you know. Um, so 
but I didn't really realize that it was an adaptation. That's the thing. I just thought that's just the way I am, but it's not, it's not the way we are. It's just a behavioral adaptation that we created and we can change behaviors. So that's, that's, that's where like a coach like you or I come in to help people see it and then take like little baby steps to help them begin to change behaviors. They have the power of choice. They can choose to change that behavior. Yeah. Sometimes I find it helpful uh, for people to um, sort of be guided back to something like that. Like in this, in this time when you developed that, could you, like, what would you say to that young version of yourself? What, you know, you can tell them something different, right? Here's, instead of that, how about, how about you know that you, you are, you are always loved or, you know, whatever it is for that person. So sometimes I think that can help. Um, and I, like, I do, I have this, like a little picture of myself when I was a little girl here. And I like, look at her often. And I think I I say, I've got you, I've got you now, everything's going to turn out all right. You know, that kind of thing, um, I think is helpful. We, you can, um, through some different um, some different therapies and stuff, they say like you can literally literally go back and change your past because here's the funny thing, I think something like our, our memory is like not even sixty percent accurate, you know our, our memories, so you know we're making a lot of it up anyway. <laughs> I think a lot of healers um, and coaches who deal in healing have actually gone through something that's changed their life trajectory and they've decided they want to help other people and stepped into those roles as coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I see it as one of the best things that happened to me now. Which is kind of funny. I wouldn't have thought that at the time, but that's that's where I am now. And I really see now that it brought everything together, like my years of personal development and my years of like reaching into spirituality and and then the years of, you know, even logical thinking and um and very left brain work. It kind of all came together for me and And now, like, it's just such a beautiful path to look back at it and see, oh, look at all these breadcrumbs that brought me here. It couldn't have been better. (laughs) And and the the understanding that uh, to to let go of the past, to forgive, uh, and it might, like, some people may have, like, a level 10, you know, forgiveness that they've got to work through and other people may have like a level one of forgiveness. But if you're carrying it, then that's creating uh, stress in your body. And when you're in that state of um, uh, the stress state of the nervous system, your body can't heal, just can't heal. It's got to get into the parasympathetic state. That's the only state where healing happens. So you don't forgive for someone else. You're not letting anyone off the hook. You do it for yourself because 
like, it's on you. It's on you to heal. Uh, there's a great quote by, I think it's Anne Lamott, who said, not forgiving is like taking rat poison and hoping the rat's going to die, right? It's, it's just doesn't work that way. Um, you, you have to find the place in you that allows forgiveness. And it doesn't, as I said, it doesn't mean someone's off the hook. It's just, I find really helpful is to say they did the best they could with their set of circumstances, their life history and where they were at the time. And their knowledge like that's just where they were that's so that really helps and and also to say well if i had been through exactly their set of, set of circumstances i would have done the same thing so it's kind of like not um putting yourself above someone or anything like that it's just just whatever works for you to let it go let it go we don't really know about karmic agreements like what kind of agreements did we have before we came here Maybe we had an agreement that this person, our perpetrator was, you know, we had an agreement, you're gonna do something so that I can have this level, you know, forgiveness experience that I need for my soul development. I mean, maybe that's it. And that, you know, I find that is very freeing for people. If, when they kind of look at it that way, we don't, we don't have all the understanding here as, you know, little humans or our, our spiritual being having this, this experience in this human body. We don't have all the knowledge in our head right now. So there could be other agreements. We just don't know. And I find we don't know, but if you can accept that, and if it gives you some relief, then, then use it. Why not use it? It's just better for you to do that than to keep hanging on to the lack of forgiveness or resentment or, or shame or whatever the feelings are. Big souls take on big projects and they get started early. Ultimately, you know, if we're if we are faced with dis-ease in our body, what we need to cultivate is peace. That's really what it's about, like peace, love. And because that's how we heal in that situation. So all of these tools that we're talking about are, are ways that we can create that peace so that we can, so that we can heal. And it's just trying to heal. It's trying to heal, heal and the, the pain or the, the disease is a call for help, that it needs our help. And uh, when I think if we can see it in that way, it's, uh, well, then we can be become the ally, right? We can be become the ally and be the, the one that's leading then and help helping the body heal. But it, it, will, it will keep healing. It will keep trying to heal no matter what. Jane, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Oh, Sarah, it was an absolute pleasure. You're helping me on my mission. And thank you to the people that are watching and listening um, because I'm, I'm here for you. That's, <laughs> I was told I'm here for you. <laughs> um, Jane, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you? Sure, sure. Thank you so much. Um, my podcast is called Wellness by Design. And as you know, we're designing the person we we need to become so that healing can happen is what that's about. Um, I'm on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, 
as um, at Jane Hogan Health. My website is thewellnessengineer.com. So if they want to go there, I've got some uh, a nice uh, set of audio files they can download to help create the peace in the body. So that's available there um, if they want that. So there we go. That's And my YouTube channel as well as at Jane Hogan Health. If you enjoyed this, please like and comment on the episode, subscribe to my podcast and share it with your friends and loved ones. Thank you.